Podcast. I'm your host, Sam. And I'm your other host, Leslie. And we're bringing you another episode this week. Awesome. Whoa. And we're also bringing you Zach. Zach. Hey, what's up, guys? Yay. Welcome back, Zach. Thank you. It's good to be back. All yeah, this season, three. Season, season three. Season three. <laughs> you're, a, you're a mainstay in the, in the Deadlights space at this point. Even though the space changes, the Zach doesn't change. It does not. So no, he just gets haircuts. I do get haircuts. Yes. Just so I do change a little bit on just the exterior. Slight changes. <laughs> enough. Enough. Also, you didn't get the memo. We're both wearing green. Oh. You match the set though. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we got we go. the green. We got the red. It's always Christmas around here. Ho ho ho, bitches. Ho ho ho, hoes. Um. Speaking of hoes. <laughs> mm. What did we just watch? There was a hose in that movie. <laughs> There's some hose in this house. There's some hose in this house. The Devil All the Time mm-hmm. from 2020. Directed by Antonio Campos. Written by Antonio Campos, Paolo Campos, and Donald Ray Pollock. Sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town teeming with corruption and brutality. Yeah. Boy very was... Very astute. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of brutality. A lot of brutality. It seemed like no one in this town can really escape being bad. Nope. Everyone was bad. It was in their bones. Because they were all related, too. That's <laughs> also part of it, too. Um, so this is actually... Um, one of like the most recent movie that we've watched so far in this podcast. We've gotten a lot of 70s and mm-hmm. 80s movies so far. So it's kind of nice to come back and return to some more recent movies um, and see how they tackle the genre, which, you know, be honest, isn't really horror. Mm-mm. No. More on the thrillery kind of side. Dark. I'd yeah. say dark. It's dark. It's yeah. It's a dark movie for sure. Um. So... It is a really good question as to like then what movies we're putting into the bucket and what qualifies them to be in the podcast. Um, and I would just want to say this movie's filled with death. Mm-hmm. The theme death. is death. So definitely death. I mean, I would say we're not getting supernatural horrors here. We are definitely getting some human hum- human horrors. Mm-hmm. What is the extent that man is willing to go to for X Factor and the depravity of man we see displayed, I would say, in many different ways in this movie, which is definitely its own type of horror. Yeah. Um, so, and actually this morning I brought it up to one of my friends that we were watching this and they said, that's horror? And I had never seen this movie, so I really couldn't say if it was or wasn't. But now having watched it, I understand why they had that reaction to it. Um, But I will say that I think it belongs within the dark thriller kind of category. We're going to be dealing with a lot of dark things here. So I think it's perfectly fine for us to discuss this movie. He came every morning and evening to talk to God. It seemed to his son that his father fought the devil all the time. All right, cool. Well. Shall we get into it? Yeah. We shall. Let's open up the can. Yes. And this movie, I would say, kind of feels like a biography kind of movie, mm-hmm. um, like a retelling of someone's life. And it is a retelling of a uh, young boy's life, Arvin, who's played by Tom Holland. 
he's definitely the central character of this film and all the things that are happening in this room or in this room, all the things that are happening Here. in this movie <laughs> uh, are happening to him. So he's definitely the central character. And we also have a narrator uh, going on through the whole time. And so to me, it was giving very much kind of biography history mm-hmm. of a family vibe. Now, if you ask most people where Knockham Stiff, Ohio, or Cold Creek, West Virginia were, they probably couldn't point them out to you on a map. Something that was a big visual theme that they kept going back to, we kept seeing all the time, was nature. Mm-hmm. A lot. I mean, this town that this guy grew up in is deep in the woods, first of all. It's rural. Very rural. rural. Um, but a lot of important things that happened to the characters in this movie happened in the woods, whether they were good or bad. A lot of green, obviously, that comes from just being in the forest. But also a lot of light coming through trees, a lot of shots of lights coming through windows. And because we're in a movie that's very heavily surrounding God and Christianity and the church, a.k.a. like the light of God, a lot of heavy oranges, a lot of yellows being cast on people's faces Blues. and shadows, too, mm-hmm. where the light was being obscured by things. Yeah, I love the imageries of the red being implemented in those dark moments. So we saw the reds in the quote unquote horror room. We saw it in the photography in the, the in the dark, dark room. room. And then the red of the cherry on the little mm-hmm. kid's face that was supposed that blood to look on your face. Yeah, so good. Um Yeah, those moments really popped. Um and kind of going back to also this idea that this feels kind of ground, it feels grounded in reality. There was a lot of long takes too going on. Mm-hmm. We saw that in the church a lot. We saw that following behind people in the forest. And at least to me, those long takes make you really feel like you're there. It sets you in the scene. It sets you in that moment, makes you feel like one of the parishioners at the church, makes you feel like you're along the ride with the serial killers sometimes in the back seat of their car. And as the audience, we're kind of trapped in those moments that the filmmakers have decided to trap us in with those long takes. And that kind of goes along with the theme too of like people are trapped in these situations in religion, in their beliefs, in that kind of stuff. And it really just makes it feel more real. It makes it feel like we're there with mm-hmm. these characters experiencing these things with those long, drawn-out takes and scenes. These these filmmakers, I really enjoyed. I think every shot was intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, it looked pretty um, as well. And the acting was well yeah. done. These performances were very subtle and in a movie where we're talking heavily about a person's history and also their trauma and how trauma comes out in different ways, I think it could easily be overperformed, but these people were professionals and Mm -hmm. they were, they were great. You know, and Tom Holland's too, although majority of his performance was just deadpan because he's 
holding a lot of anger mm-hmm. in him. Um, there was some subtleness, and he's really good at portraying sadness in, in a very angry way. Well, even um, the big performers knew when to pull it back for the right moments. Mm-hmm. Like the big preacher moments were <clears throat> obviously very over the top and well, well done, but then Robert Pattinson knew when to be just more like, I don't really need to do much. Yeah. The, the creepiest be- part of Robert Pattinson's character, because we see he takes advantage of the young parishioners and then Tom Holland, you know, realizes that his sister is being taken advantage by, by him. And like you said, he's a pretty, he, his character is one of the bigger characters that we see because he's preaching and doing these sermons and all this kind of stuff. And even the Lord Jesus himself was presented with delusions in the desert that only through his faith and his strength overcame. But then when he's confronted by Tom Holland, um, Arvin, about the fact that he took advantage of his sister, in that moment, I was afraid that Arvin was going to start believing Robert mm. Pattinson's character because he mm. was convincing. But look, I, I didn't have nothing to do with that. She came to me saying she, she got that way from some boy. Don't fucking lie to me! I ain't gonna take the blame for no bastard child. It would ruin me, man. You can understand that, can't you? I was afraid that Arvin was gonna start believing him right. because he was able to Turn bring it, it in. Yeah. Yeah. And be so believable in those moments. He shrunk, he shrunk down to like a coward of a man. Oh, that shirt he was wearing, though. Oh, the puffy shirt. <laughs> I'm the pirate. I'm a pirate. Yeah, no, he is. Um, kill him. Kill that pirate. <clears throat> yeah, we were cheering on. We were like, Tom Holland, kill him. Kill, kill him. Kill. Um, yeah, no. And also, I really appreciated the script. Um, there's a lot of movies that I can't appreciate enough just because of the context and... Um, to me, it being a Southern movie is not appealing to me. Um, but something about this movie, when it first came out, I played it and I, I quite enjoyed everything about it. And I think it's because it's written well. It's a well-written and beautiful-looking movie with great performances. And I think the person with the most lines was the narrator. Willard could feel it welling up inside him now. The urge to get right with his maker before something bad happened to his family. There wasn't that many dialogue scenes between characters. Mm -hmm. It was mostly action between characters in the story, which I appreciate much more because that's more true to real life to me. Are we good in the can? Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to the meat. The meat of this movie, um, like we already mentioned, very heavily religious movie. Has a lot, pretty much everything to do with religion. Um, And kind of how people use religion for different things, whether that's good or bad. If we just pray hard enough, the Lord can do anything if you just ask him right. Okay. Now hold them tight and pray like you mean it. 
this movie takes place at an interesting time. Coming out of World War II, going into the Vietnam War, people are desperate to find answers for the horribleness that is happening in the world. People will turn anywhere to find answers. And especially this time, I think religion was a easy thing to hang your hat on as far as like, this is why the world is the way that it is. It's all God's plan. It's all God's plan. We can use that to essentially place blame on the good and the bad. This happened to me. This good thing happened to me because of God. This bad thing happened to me because of God as well. And we see these different characters using God and religion to defer blame in a lot of different ways. Even in a way, because I come from a very religious family um, it's also thought to be able to like fill the void in which we start feeling as adults um, going about our, our daily lives. Um, and the only thing that can fill that is Jesus Christ. And, and you know, going to church will keep you from trouble. Um, it gives people a sense of purpose especially those like Arvin's dad who had done some pretty terrible things because they're out there trying to protect themselves um, and and having to do acts that like he's always going to have to live, uh, like survive. Um, didn't give him a fucking right to kill his dog. Um but he is one that used religion to try to save his wife because that is what, you know, the pastors would say is like, you know, just lean into God and he'll be able to fix it. But, you know, that only provides a, f a faith in which is not going to do much besides just give you quote-unquote, some peace to, at the end. We need your help, and I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Please, Lord. You want your mama to die? Yes, sir. Right. This is another small example, but Arvin's mother, there's the whole bit of um, she's a great cook. She's a really good cook. Everyone in the town... Right always praises her cooking but she says that it was god that gave her that ability so not only are people using it like to defer blame they're also using it to defer praise you know mm -hmm. like everything that's good in my life we can thank it's because god of for. god mm -hmm. yeah so there's always this falling back on religion that all these characters are doing and then we have a character <laughs> like robert pattinson's character Who's falling back on religion to take advantage of people? Well, he's just using religion to take advantage of people. It's yeah. not even his excuse. He's just found his easy way to, to do it. Have you shown yourselves as the Lord made you? If you mean in my birthday suit. To show yourself as the Lord made his first children is to truly turn yourself to him. And then also we have the extreme example, too, of the serial killers, which 
there's a point where they say that Carl, who's the uh, the husband of the serial killer couple, says that death is his true religion. What Sandy didn't understand was that to his way of thinking, this was the one true religion. Only in the presence of death could he feel the presence of something like God. That is an example of how people can even uh, explain away killing people to feel, because I'm close to God. He even said, he has a line where he's like, he was going to go get killed in Vietnam anyway. We were putting him out of his misery. So he's already uses religion and uses God and uses death as an excuse for what he's doing, he, which he, is just this very interesting voyeuristic twist, lustful twist of twisty, twisty, very twisty. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he himself probably thought that he was God because in a way, how can you not think that you are when you are, literally putting someone's life in your hands that must feel so powerful in a very very i can't even i can't even fathom you know like how it feels to do that and like these people definitely have some chemical imbalances in their brain to want to get close to that of like needing to feel alive i guess something Something. well also too there's this whole element of him they take pictures of the dead bodies and with the dead bodies to then possess these pictures it's a little token picture in his wallet of the the most symmetrical face he'd ever killed yeah and it was very important to him because at first he wanted ugly people because he found his wife to be the beauty and then that changed of then finding attractive people mm. to be able to i don't know i guess try to get close to that symmetry to that perfection it felt like he was um, trying to possess them especially with the pictures and they oh, have yeah. this whole dark room where there is just developing pictures of them and she's looking at the pictures after the fact too there's this like possession of these people by killing them and then taking a picture of them. You are taking, you are kidnapping them. You know, you are holding onto their identity in your pocket. And I think that that kind of is going back to what you're saying. Like he felt like God, he felt like he was creating these images and therefore creating these beautiful moments and then possessing them and keeping it for himself. And also one of the biggest conversations of this movie is, Every man that we came across in this film had murdered someone. Um, So who was justified? Who killed for a good reason? If murder is, you know, quote unquote, the biggest sin that you can make, who was justified? Because the preacher killed essentially Lenora. I mean, he told her to get rid of the baby she got rid of herself because that also got rid of the baby. So that's in his hands, regardless of whether, you know, like he did it or not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he caused that situation because he was having sex with a 16-year-old. Uh, so. Yeah. She was younger than that. I think yeah. she was 14 or yeah. 13. Or something like that. She had just yeah. started high school, I think is what they said. The other one. But oh, yes. Oh, was it the second grade? Yeah. But still, like, she's around that age, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, Tom Holland to protect himself and to protect his sister. I mean, he didn't kill those boys, but still, like, he did a lot of violence. Um, the serial killers to capture some sort of twisted fantasy and creativeness. Um, the fucking sheriff mayor or like wanting to be mayor. So then he's getting rid of corruption, but he's like murdering people. Just leave off the horn until after the election. You understand? Don't act like you do nothing wrong. Crazy enough, these serial killers are religious. Like we had the man singing gospel music and then um, the girl asking beforehand if the people they were about to kill were baptized because to her it was important that they were baptized to get rid of all the original sin um, so then they could go to heaven. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that didn't stop them from killing those that weren't baptized, but it just made them feel better about. The act, yeah. At least, at least her. her. Yeah. At least for her. So yeah, religion played a big role in all the other people that were murdering, yet Arvin is the only one that's quote-unquote, I keep using quotes for those that can't see my quotes, um, that uh, had no beliefs, and he was just trying to protect the people around him His and himself. was just that there's bad people out there, and if you can, you should do something about it. Yeah, just like his dad taught him. There's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. Yeah, well, there's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. My Lord, Irvin, you've been saying that almost since the day I met you. So there's this big religious thing going on, but also kind of going alongside of that, we're talking about a lot of trauma, you know, like obviously Willard's trauma from war coming back is passed down into his son, you know? And we see kind of the effects of Willard kind of spiraling out of control into crucifying Arvin's dog and then forcing Arvin to pray um, in order to save his mom and then the ramifications of all those things. I think that a nice part about this movie is that (laughs) <laughs> Everyone gets their comeuppance, you know? <laughs> this is very much a movie about, like, reaping what you sow. Yeah. Everyone who's done something bad does eventually pretty much get what's coming to them. That was the same last uh, it was. episode as yeah, well. Yeah, the exact same thing of your, your decisions affect what will happen in the future. And that goes along with this idea of trauma, you know? The trauma that Arvin sustained as a child followed him his entire life and eventually led him to do the things that he did, which kind of led to people's deaths and downfalls and destruction. So this is definitely a movie about trauma as well. And we have an interesting side-by-side tract of religion and trauma going on and how people put 
turned to religion because of trauma and also people's traumas then causing them to do terrible things. Yeah, it's a big... The religion causes more trauma. <laughs> yeah, it's a then big turns cycle. you back to religion. Well, <laughs> it's, to me, regardless of whether you are using religion to heal, you have to do it properly. You have to coincide it with... Um, with with good teachings and doing it f- purposeful um because you can also be a kind of person that you know goes to therapy and is not healing because then you're just weaponizing what you're learning and then you're not healing so if i don't know just there i can see how religion as a person who isn't religious can be good for people and can benefit them but if you're using them to harm other people and stay in a place of of um what's the word i wanted to use of just being stagnant then it's not gonna help regardless of whether the fuck you pray every day or not um you have to be a good person the same can be said about trauma as well, you know, like using trauma, <laughs> trauma that you've sustained. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at that. You're right. I mean, it's the trauma same as trauma. Just, <laughs> religion <laughs> is trauma. It's just, it's just like trauma. It's just like trauma. No, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, people can use trauma as an excuse to do terrible things or use trauma to learn more about yourself and grow as a person. Mm-hmm. So, I think that there's a great tie that this movie is making between religion and trauma. Um, and it's all, it's, it, it is a criticism on religion, but it almost is just using it as um, a, a metaphor for trauma. Maybe the Lord wants you to come out into the light. I mean, how can you be close to God stuck in there? The Lord don't like dark places. You can be a Lenora who goes to church and go visits your mom's grave. How many times does she go in a week? She went, I thought she went every day. That's what I thought too. Every day. Either every day or at least You're like victimizing they, yourself. They went to church and then she visited the grave. So, Maybe once a, once you a know, you can, you can stay stagnant and visit your mom's grave every single day for eight years or so or you can be an Arvin push through beat up everyone else in your life and be a survivor no those two are still terrible but I'll be an Arvin uh, you know but like do you want to survive or do you not want to survive not saying the murdering and beating up people is nice I'm not saying that, but, you know, there has to be some kind of push to want to get better. Um, And what I do enjoy about this movie is at the end, it's not necessarily saying that one is better than the other. Because, yes, Arvin is one of our only surviving characters. But how they leave it is... We don't necessarily know that the things that he's done aren't going to catch up with him. Right. He kind of leaves it off to be like, 
I'm just happy right now. I'm happy that someone picked me up, but all this stuff is still out there. It's almost like he's found his God in being in just this moment. Right now I'm right now I'm happy. Right now I am in someone's car. They were kind to me. All my stuff is finished. I'm not worried about my trauma anymore. Right now, he needed sleep and just felt lucky someone was giving him a ride. All right, great. Well, let's get to the cook. Yeah, let's cook it up. How cook this thing. Um, there was definitely, I mean, we've kind of talked about it already, but um, there was a couple of motifs that they were playing with in this movie. One was definitely the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big image in Arvin's life. And also in Willer's life, his father, that's another example of him kind of passing down this trauma to his son um, because we start the movie off with Willard witnessing one of his fellow soldiers being crucified on a cross by the Japanese during World War II, he carries that back to the United States, sets up his own uh, crucifix in the forest that every time he sees it, you know he's thinking about that moment. And then that then passes down to Arvin, who associates the cross with, his abusive father, his emotionally and physically abusive father. So the cross, while it is a re- like a religious symbol in this movie, it feels like a symbol of trauma. Mm-hmm. Well, of generational trauma. I mean, the cross is something that people bared because Jesus Christ was killed on a cross. And that because was a of form- his father. Because of his father, he is, he was brought to this planet knowing that he had to sacrifice himself to, for the sins of others. Um, so, yeah, and that was a form of torture, of bearing your own cross that you were going to die on. We um, saw the drawing of Jesus Christ carrying his cross multiple times. It was up in Arvin's room. He, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ carrying, I mean, that is, that's it, you know, like that's exactly what this movie is talking about. It's the duality of the cross is the fact that it is a symbol of good and evil. Years ago, Willard had fitted together a weathered cross above a fallen tree in a small clearing behind his house. Are you praying now? Are you praying now? You hear me? Yes, Lord! I really like that this movie does span a couple generations because we see we're with Willard for a good part of this movie. And then we move on to being with Arvin for a good part of this movie. I like that fact because it really does show how this generational trauma is passed down in a very effective way. The sins of the father. The sins of the father being passed down and we see... The father having their having his child and the child growing up, and we see the effects of all the decisions of his father then affecting him. It's a great I, I like the cook of this movie because they do a very good job of letting us spend time with all these characters to understand how their decisions affect other people and especially their children. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that 
that's a very good thing that they do. Another symbol that we have going on and traveling through time is the gun. Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun. Just learned that today. It's the first thing that uh, Willard presents to his uncle. That then is passed to him, which is then passed to Arvin. And then Arvin ultimately uses this gun to cause destruction. Some people were born just so they could be buried. Oh, God. That line is heavy. 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 Especially for a nine-year-old. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oof, imagine. Imagine if that was how you got started. Well, it's interesting, too, that the sheriff who delivered that line was delivering it to the person that ultimately killed him. Oh, shit, yeah. And also the gun that caused all of the trauma to begin with in this family is the one that ended the trauma for the family as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at all that. Look at these circles that we're creating. (laughs) Look at these circles. Um, and I think, too, that there was this symbolism, too, at the end of Arvin returning to his home where all this trauma started. And for the most part, it, the dog, you know, the, the death and the sacrifice of the dog was a big point of trauma for Arvin. For him to then to return to the place where it all started and then to bury the dog. Give him his proper burial. It, yeah, it was a very much a closure moment, I felt like, for him. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get to the thrill of this thing. Woo-hoo! The scary parts. Um, and so scary. Man is looking pretty scary in this movie. Mm-hmm. Man is looking very, very scary. People are using religion for an excuse of all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> the way you delivered that was funny. Like a sermon. Man is scary. <laughs> and a man. A man. Man is scary. What what was the word that Robert Pattinson said when he was uh, preaching? Deliverance? Delusions. And what the Lord experienced was a delusion that it would have kept him from saving us. Delusions. 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 That that, that little part of his speech is great. His monologue. Yeah, well, and... That kind of goes back to his character because he's causing all these different delusions of people. And if something goes wrong, he's going to blame it on delusions. Mm -hmm. And that's again, I mean, that's part of what we're talking about. You know, it's like he will use religion and he will use his power as a preacher to get what he wants. That's that's what all these people are doing. You know, like um, what do we do for religion? What do we do to find inner peace? Um and, you know, we see that with the dog, you know, the, the dog is used as a sacrifice to find, <laughs> to it. find peace. This here is, is my boy's dog. We loved him. And you take him. Bring him back! You saved Charlotte. Kind of going within the title of the movie, um, they do say it pretty much like from the top of the movie that people find fault in the devil all the time. And that line is talking about how people can blame the devil, religion, their God, their beliefs on all the bad things that have happened to them and all the bad things that they do. Instead of properly dealing with it and accepting it as their own fault and their own traumas. Yeah. Which then kind of opens the door up to like, why don't you just do anything? 
you can get away with anything if you just blame the devil for it. It wasn't nothing but another model. I told you I don't like this anymore. Ain't it fair if I hate the way some of them cry? Well, not that you'd appreciate it, but tears make for a good photograph. You can't just commit crimes and sins, whatever you want to call it, and go to a little dark room with some freaking what's-his-face in Catholicism. Father. A father to get rid of them. It doesn't work that way. You have to own up, take responsibility, so then that way you can start the actual process of healing and never do it again. God damn it, that's the goal. You can't just keep committing it and then being like, Oh, so sorry, Father. Can you forgive me? Thank you. It's and been then two like, hours since my last confession. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big day today. No, it's, <laughs> it is a big day. You're okay. right, though. It's it. A lot of people use it as a crutch instead of as a, a crunch. tool. It should be a tool more than anything. Yeah. Use it as as a way to give yourself lessons and rules on how to be a good person. Don't use it as an excuse to do bad things or an excuse to do good things or a reason for the bad things that happened. You stabbed your wife in the neck with a screwdriver, tried to bring her back from the dead, and then buried her body. <clears throat> that ain't an accident, Roy. That sounds like a crazy person who killed his wife. All right, let's get to the ride. Let's yeah. get to the uh, the final ride, how, how beep, entertaining beep. we felt this movie was. I was entertained the whole time. I was, was too. This yeah. was, I mean, one of the longer movies that we've watched so far. It was long. Um, but I felt like it was very driving. You know, we're seeing the history of a family kind of play out. Mm -hmm. And they set up a lot of things, a lot of different storylines in this movie. And I think us as the audience, we're trying to figure out, like you said, Zach, like, how are these things going to cross over? Mm -hmm. And eventually they do all cross paths. But I think that the movie uses that to our to their advantage of like, keeping us in there of like oh man like when are these people gonna cross who's gonna meet up with each other who's gonna get their comeuppance and who's it gonna get, deliver the final blows i was trying to figure out that the whole time how and why so many people from those two peddling places on that map could end up connected has a lot to do with our story some would claim it was just dumb luck while others might swear it was god's intention but i'd say with the way things turned out it was a little bit of both. When I first saw this, it was a lot of information at first. I was like, okay, what am I seeing? Because then also it was long and you can feel it, but it wasn't boring because mm -hmm. you were being fed really great lines, really great performances. Everything looked really good. Good pacing. Good pacing. Um, but it is a little bit longer, but um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it my second run. We didn't feel the runtime. Well. I, I mean, unfortunately, we've had movies in this season already that are much shorter than this, but we have felt the runtime. Yeah. So it is a testament to the entertainment factor of this movie that we <clears throat> didn't feel bored yeah. for a movie that was even longer than some of the other movies we've watched. Um, yeah, it really, it really kept a, kept me in there, and, and I really enjoyed it. I, 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 I like the devil all the time. It kept me entertained all the time. All oh. the time. Uh, well. The devil all the time from 2020. Lovely. Wow. All right, let's get these Smash Pumpkin ratings real quick. Let's see what we got. Uh, Zach, do you have a, a number for us? Do you have a Smash Pumpkin? 
I think so. Okay, Ooh. what do you got? I feel bad about saying my score because I feel like every movie that I've seen <laughs> with you guys, I've been blessed to see some really good movies, and I always score it pretty high. I'm going to give it a 4.7. Nice. I don't like to give it a perfect score. Uh, great acting, great pacing, really good ideas with the with the whole trauma versus religion and how they play off of each other, and the way it makes you think about what the title of the movie means, whether it's like we're all blaming the devil all the time or we're all burdened by our belief systems and that's the devil inside of all of us. And I think it really does a good job of portraying all of that. And the performances were amazing. So, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah to that. Yes. Hallelujah to Robert Pattinson. Thanks, Robbie. Thank you, Daddy. Um... <laughs> I have a number. Go for it. I was going to give it a 4.5. 4. 5. Yeah. Um, don't know where that 0.5 got lost, but I can't truly give it a 5 just in my own criteria. Um, but I think it's as, as good as it's going to get. And so, f- like, like you mentioned so far, <laughs> these movies that we've seen have been rough. Uh, so to see something as new as this and it being successful has been uh, quite pleasing. Uh, for I'm giving it a score for the same things that Zach said. I think the performances had a major, major, major plus um, in this. But to me, it's just how beautiful it looked. And, and I really enjoyed the shots. Uh, that we've experienced in this movie. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's hard to find a fault for this movie. I think that I am also going to give it a 4.5. And the 0.5 away is only because it wasn't that scary. You know, it, we saw scary things for sure. We saw scary people, um, you know, and their motives were scary but all in all, it wasn't a very scary movie. So as far as like in the thrill category, I kind of just have to give it off for that. But you're right. Everything else about this movie really works. It's the writing is great. The performances of the script are fantastic. And the themes really just go right through the whole thing and really create this good picture of the themes that this uh, that these filmmakers are trying to portray. Um, I think it was great. I really, I really do think it was great. Um, the devil all the time. The devil all Ooh. the time. Nice. Go see it. Check it out for yourself. Why don't we check out what we're watching <laughs> next week? Uh, and Zach, Is that my turn. Yes, you get to. Uh oh. Whoop. All right. Reach in there. We got a lot in there. We do. Um, How many always, do we have now? It's got to be close to four hundred. No, not. There's nine. so many in here. No. There's a lot. There's Ken, like Ken a and I are adopting your idea for when we don't know what to watch. Oh, perfect. Yay! All right, so as always, read the logline first, and then we'll try to guess what, uh, what we got coming. Okay. Mm, interesting. Oh. A young man's mother is bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey. She gets sick and dies, at which time she comes back to life, <laughs> killing and eating dogs, nurses, friends, and neighbors. Oh, no! Are we going to watch... 
Dead Alive. Yes. I didn't know Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson. did horror movies. Yeah, it's his first movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Peter Jackson. Who's Peter he Jackson? He directed The Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. Oh! And The Hobbit, but we don't need to talk yeah, about Yeah, don't talk about this. <laughs> we don't talk uh, about The Hobbit here. But yeah, wow. This is Peter Jackson's directorial debut as far as feature films goes. So this nice. will be an interesting one. Ooh. Very fun. Very fun. Looks... It's like a fun one. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. Cool. So awesome. Thank you, Zach, well, for picking it. Thank you, thank you so for much. Me I always love being here. Oh, yeah, uh, please tell us what you got going on. Uh, we were talking before. You got some music stuff going on, right? I do. Uh, I have a lot of music that I've been releasing over the last couple months. Um, over the course of my entire life, that I've been remixing and re- remastering and all that stuff. Uh, also, putting out some new stuff. Hopefully, in the next month or two. Almost done mixing that stuff and then i've got another album that a buddy and of mine uh recorded a couple months ago we're gonna put that out put some music videos out we made a documentary about the whole process as well and you can find all of that on my instagram underscore stupid period fingers underscore has a link to all my music there and yeah also dm me if you need any mixing work for any music or audio needs as well hell yeah exciting um, please visit his stuff. It's really fun and it's really good. Thank you. If you like Brother Ali, it's like that, you know. The highest praise. Yes. I I I think it's fun. Anywho, uh you can follow me on Color Me Leslie. And you can follow me at BP Britchy T. You can call us yeah. at 773-669-6677. What? Yeah. yeah a call. <laughs> we have a phone number for y'all to like send us freaking stories so you can be on the pod. And send us suggestions of movies, anything you want. Anything. We uh we might feature your message in the show. So please give us a call. Like like a very low key might. Wink, very wink, wink, wink. If we get enough, so call, please. <laughs> um, you can also follow us at the Deadlights Pod. Um, but until next time, let's, let's get, get spooky. spooky. I want to commit crimes now. <laughs>